0: Hello, my friends. Welcome to this, another edition of the Underdog Football Show. My name is Josh Norris. His name is Hayden Winks. Week two of the power rankings, Hayden. Some adjustments, some important ones based on important results that we got here in week 13. Again, how the structure of the show is going to go. We're going to go one through 32 in our power rankings and go through the games of the teams attached to those rankings and ones that were played on Sunday as well. I cover everything right there, Hayden? Sounds good enough to me. Okay. Here we go, everyone. Glad you're here. Thank you for being here. We'll start off again. Our post-week 13 power rankings, Sunday night football, Monday night football excluded. They are keeping the same rankings that they had last week, somewhat. Here we go. Number one, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Hayden. We continue to rank them at number one. 30-17 to 17 win over the Atlanta Falcons. We know the Bucs improved to nine and three. Tom Brady, four touchdowns, 51 passing attempts, 368 yards. How and why did they get up to all the way to 51 passing attempts compared to 17 rushing attempts for a team that looked like positive game script was in their favor?
1: Well, they were choosing to do that. I I had written down 26 pass attempts to five carries with five minutes left in the second quarter. This was just they knew that they were never going to be under pressure and Tom Brady was not under pressure at all, and he ended up having a 91st percentile uh, total EPA, and it was just nonstop first downs, and it was to multiple people. It was to Gronk. He had two different touchdowns. He had a, a third touchdown that was actually called back because it was uh, a defensive holding. Um, there was Chris Godwin who had a career high in receptions. He There was jump ball fades from the slot. There was balls on the back shoulder uh, to Mike Evans. There was balls just uh, underneath um, against man coverage. It was just nonstop the, the Bucs could do whatever the hell they wanted. And for the most of the year, that's been the case. So I think until they lose multiple games in a row and stuff, I'm not going to move them off of number one.
0: Leonard Fournette, just 44 yards in the ground. He did have a touchdown and seven receptions in the air. We all know what happened this week with Antonio Brown. He's suspended for at least the next three games. He's been injured as well, but maybe he returns week 16, week 17, something like that. And as you alluded to, uh, just what the Bucs can do still offensively. And Rob Gronkowski re-emerging in the last few weeks of four receptions, 58 yards, and two scores, lining him up as like an ISO tight end, ISO wide receiver near the red zone. It's just a, another dominant piece that this Bucks team has. And again, they're getting healthier, especially on the defensive side of the ball as we get closer to the playoffs and the crunch time.
1: Yeah, the, on, the, on the Falcons end, they couldn't really move the ball Uh, too much. Cordell Patterson's role kind of changed back and forth. This time, it was uh, Mike Davis running 27 routes to Cordell Patterson's 19, but they actually got CPAT more out wide than the previous week. So his role keeps moving. Mike Davis is certainly involved. He was uh, on the goal line. They had him in the two-minute drill situation for fantasy purposes. The big breakout player, and it's kind of been trending this way for a little bit, was Russell Gage. He had wide receiver 38 fantasy usage coming into today. He had 12 targets, 11 catches for 130 yards. Um, they got him on one of those angle routes out of the backfield that we keep talking about where he got tackled at the one-yard line. So he was almost in for a monster game. I think that he should be rostered in every format right now mm. because the Falcons' defense is not going to be stopping anybody. And when they go into uh, chase mode, it's just dump-offs to Russell Gage. And for the most part, it's starting to become more bankable. So we don't really care how good he is at the game. His usage is going to be into the wide receiver threes, wide receiver twos. And I think in PPR leagues, he's at least a flex play right now.
0: We have the Falcons as our 25th ranked team. Yeah, Russell Gage in the last few weeks absolutely is emerging uh, when he came back, since he came back from injury. I mean, 12 receptions, 130 yards, seven targets. Previous week, 62 yards, five receptions, 49 yards, so on and so forth. Really, really impressive stuff from him. I do feel like we've hit the rookie wall with Kyle Pitts, though. Just four receptions, four to eight yards on seven targets. Feels like that's kind of the benchmark that we're looking for him each week. I know he had a fun catch and run today, but we're not getting those hyper explosive, isolated superstar moments, kind of like what we were getting in those few weeks towards the first half of the season.
1: He did have 67 of 71 snaps today. So that's a little bit higher than usual. Um and seven targets of a tight end position. You can only move them down. So that's yeah, I agree. The the production has not been there. I'm guessing it's because defensive coverages, uh that he's seeing more cornerbacks. So well, it's something to monitor, but the tight end position is still so barren in general that yeah, like if, if you have a chance at 115 yards, then I want to be starting you, and Kyle Pitts falls into that.
0: Again, 92 passing attempts combined in this game. Uh Matt Ryan was sacked five times, Tom Brady sack zero times. I do want to bring up this Tom Brady passing chart because it looks like he just drew a line at the five yard yep. mark with all of his, I mean, just the linebacker area over and over and over again. I'm sure. A lot of those are Chris Godwin. I'm sure. Some of those were Gronk, even Mike Evans as well. And then taking those shots when they make the most sense along the right sideline. Yeah, Great. Team. This offense is insane. Great team. Number two for us is a team that had their by the green Bay Packers. Anything you want to say about the Packers before we move on to the Arizona Cardinals?
1: We're just going to keep monitoring their health like this is right. a bet on their health to continue to get better because the number three team is what I actually did a switch little switcheroo and I moved them into the number two spot with the Arizona Cardinals just after watching what they did today. Uh Kyler Murray was excellent. Um, he had a 95th percentile EPA per play. The yardage and all of the fantasy production wasn't necessarily there because they only dropped back 21 times yeah. and Andy Dalton had four interceptions and Rotopat noticed, noticed this, uh, all four of those interceptions set up the Cardinals inside the, their own 30 yard line. So like these were just like touchdown drives. There was no like yardage to be had. I thought Kyler looks fine coming off of his ankle injury. He's uh, had a, two rushing touchdowns. One's a scramble. One's a zone read option that he kept. Um, James Connor, another monster game with chase Edmonds, Sideline, 91% of the snaps, one-handed catch. I think he's still underrated as a pure talent. Uh, he got tackled at the one-inch line, got stuffed twice. It was almost an even better game. Uh, so we'll see with Chase Edmonds. He's eligible to come off uh, injured reserve next week. If not, James Conner by himself and this Kyler Murray-led offense. It, that's some elite, elite stuff.
0: Not too much to take from a game, as you mentioned, since turnovers allowed them to set up scoring positional drives but at least we saw Kyler healthy and yep, that's important over the, you know, going two and one without him and Deandre Hopkins and especially the rushing game. I mean, last year when Kyler returned from his injury, his rushing production went in the tank and that was a shoulder issue. It's different than an ankle, obviously, but, that derailed an MVP campaign, and it stopped them from kind of reaching their peak as a team because he's so so dangerous inside the twenty and inside the ten yard line. And so him showing that today, just unleashing it, uh, to me was was a really I good think- signal that the offense can still be and you know go through that when they need that to happen.
1: Yeah, I mean this this offense, like with Kyler Murray out there, has been putting up insane numbers. Like we're right. probably wrong for not putting the Cardinals as our number one team right now. It's like getting to that point. I will say the difference between his rushing this year and last year with the injuries is he was rushed back from that injury uh, last year. And this year they had, because they've been winning so many games, they had the luxury to keep holding him out. Same thing with Deandre Hopkins. And I think that's good. That was a long-term play for the Cardinals. And they just happened to win two of those three games with Colt McCoy as well.
0: I think it's, you know, Splitting hairs here between the Packers and the Cardinals. I think both teams are injured. I think with the Packers, uh, I'm starting to buy more and more into their defense as they get healthier. And hopefully they do get Jair Alexander back. With the Cardinals, their defense completely lacks name brand superstar types outside of Chandler Jones. But, man, it feels like every single week we're just saying that. And they're turning in not just superstars, but into quality players that is deep. And then it's every single level and they're making plays. And I mean, obviously the bears and their historically low passing yardage this season uh, isn't a perfect barometer for that. But when you're in games like that, Hey, creating four interceptions is exactly what a team like that should do.
1: Yeah. The defense coordinator is on fire. They get a good pass rush and a lot of timely plays on the back end. It also helps that their defense is always um, up by 14 points. So you always have these panicked throws and Dalton had, uh four of them here four interceptions one of them was not his fault it bounced off Cole Komet. uh the other three were were mostly his fault um i thought that like the the true loser here was Matt Nagy this was like the most mm. Matt Nagy game ever uh this is a game where he said hey we ran the ball well like we had like over 100 uh, 100 rushing yards we won the time of possession by 10 minutes like what could you do um well a lot of things you you could do you can try to pass the ball Darnell Mooney didn't get going Uh, until very late in the game. And there was a situation down 21 to seven. They had the ball at the 48 yard line on fourth and two. And they'd take a delay game on purpose and then punt the ball. Like, I mean, this is just a team that does not, is not trying. And you know, that decision was bad because Mark Schlereth uh, on, in the broadcast booth called it a good decision. So immediately you knew it was actually a bad decision. And I thought today, I noticed more so than any other week for me this season was the difference. The differences in between uh, the play calling booths right now uh, on television, like a Mark Schlereth game versus uh, a oh Tony. Gosh. I got the Tony Romo game. And I also got the Greg Olson game. Those two, excellent. And then Mark Schlereth, like what he's saying out there was just ridiculous. So you don't even need to game pass this game if you're uh, watching on Tuesdays. This was a game that you learned nothing from.
0: To be honest, we could power rank color commentators right now. And yes. the bottom of my list uh, has been replaced by from Mark Schlereth to someone else. Uh, Ooh. Tiki Barber is horrific. Yeah. I don't think he's been doing games all year. I feel like today he popped in. I mean, unlistenable. Unlistenable Tiki Barber was. But we'll get to that. In
1: a I feel like I feel like he is just more vanilla. Like Mark Slayer is like confident and just wrong. T-
0: Tiki tried to make the, the 49er Seahawks game about him today. He was still in the mic. Schlereth okay. is just pre prehistoric football mind. A uh, couple of notes on quickly some notable fantasy names. Darno Mooney, as you mentioned, seven targets, five receptions, 27 yards. Rondale Moore had four total touches for 10 total yards. Um, yep. And Chase Edmonds is probably going to, he's eligible to return next week. James Conner obviously got home with, 111 yards and compare him to David Montgomery who had 141 yards today. Yeah,
1: but behind uh, DeAndre Hopkins, it was basically an even rotation between Rondale, Christian Kirk, and AJ Green. The problem is like, give me the AJ Green uh, passes downfield and in 12 personnel at the goal line. Over on the uh, Rondale Moore's, he gets a touch behind the line of scrimmage, um, 60 yards away from the end zone. So I, I don't, I don't think there's any point of holding on to Rondale Moore. Coming out of this, his role didn't change that much. It's A.J. Green and Christian Kirk behind DeAndre for sure.
0: Final note on Arizona Cardinals, because I spoke about it with the Packers and like Rashawn Gary's, you know, making tremendous strides. Darnell Savage is making strides. I can keep going. Eric Stokes is making strides with the Cardinals like Isaiah Simmons, Zayvon Collins, two linebackers that are ridiculous athletes should be able to match up with all these like chess piece pieces across the league. And I don't think they've done their best work so far this year. In fact, they've been isolated in some situations as a negative on this team. And so maybe as we go along, that is also a part of the Arizona Cardinals defense that can step up. Um, fun team. Fun team. Quickly, with the Packers, since we barely talked about them at number two, uh, I'm just amazed at what Rodgers and the floor can do to overcome all of the offensive line stuff. All of it. I mean, this crumbles so many teams down the list that we're going to get to, and it hasn't for them yet. There's a potential it can, but with Roger mind and his ability to speed things up when he needs to slow them down when he needs to, and then compensating for, you know, a 60% Aaron Jones out there as well. That is all so impressive. So impressive. Um, so hopefully David Bakhtiari comes back at some point before the playoff push, because we know Elton Jenkins is out for the year. All right. Number four. Kansas City Chiefs, they are kicking off in about 26 seconds. Um, We'll see. We'll have more to say about them on Tuesday. Buffalo Bills, number five. Monday Night Football against the New England Patriots. Slobber knocker, bully ball. It's very much to me going to identify which of these rankings are going to move based on this. Because I could easily see us having the New England Patriots at number five. Hayden, and they're going to be listed at number eight here for us. Um, If they beat the Buffalo Bills, and currently the Patriots are the number one seed in the AFC after the Ravens lost. Um, but I could absolutely foresee the Bills implementing their mindset, their game plan, how they want to win, and spreading them out. Because the Patriots defense can be slow at different levels. Yeah, it's going to be a very, very good game. All right. Number six, we have the Los Angeles Rams, who beat the Jacksonville Jaguars 37 37- to seven, Yes, Matthew Stafford, three touchdowns, 295 yards for a fantasy spin. Daryl Henderson, zero carries, zero touches. Sonny Michelle, 24 carries, 121 yards and a score, three receptions, eight yards. He filled in. He played every single running back snap in the entire first half. Um, this is exactly the usage that we want to see for a running back insurance type. Uh, in the first drive, I believe Brian Allen, their starting center, went out with a knee injury. And so Shelton Coleman or Coleman Shelton, I don't know, it was one of those double names, filled in and was brutal at times. Like at pushback, it was it was rough. Um, but this offense and this team is just so much more talented than what Jacksonville put out there. Sonny Michelle had a 25-yard run it wasn't anything overly explosive he was picking up the yards that were blocked for him but actually did you notice that he returned kicks last week apparently he went to Sean McVay and was like man I want more game time I want to get into the flow of these because Durrell was you know hogging all the the backfield touches and so they just put him back there as as a kickoff returner so I think that that is one piece on this team that can be replaced if if one of those goes down they don't lose as much as other teams might from their running back one to the running back two
1: from what I understand about his injury, it was not a quad contusion, which is uh, a little more common. It was a quad strain. So he actually has like a calf or a, a full-blown muscle injury. And I wouldn't be that surprised if he this next week. I don't think that he was actually that close to actually playing. Like the limited practice was basically a fake limited practice. And he was only active, I think. I went to their uh, active roster. They only have three running backs right now. It's Sonny Michelle. Yep. It's Makai Sargent. And it's Daryl Henderson. So if they didn't roster Daryl Henderson today as like an emergency backup, then they would have had only two running backs, period. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if Sonny Michelle gets another crack at uh, being the lead back. And he's clearly the RB1.
0: The entire role was beautiful. That brings us to Cooper Cup. Ten targets, eight receptions, 129 yards. Uh, his touchdown, a 43-yarder, I believe, or close to it. One-on-one with safety, Andrew Wingard, a player that we... he always on the show. <laughs> we bring him. He's our number one guest here on this episode. It's uh, so
1: easy to see who he is. It's the long blonde hair. It's the only white dude in secondary just getting roasted.
0: Who did they play in week one? Part of my brain wants to say it was the... No, it was the Houston Texans. I mean, they isolated him over and over and over again with Brandon Cooks. Remember that? Um, I could keep going on and on. I mean, the Broncos did it with him. Arizona Cardinals did that. Like, Last week on the show. <laughs> I mean, when he gets isolated one-on-one with your slot wide receiver, it's over. And Cooper Cup put him in a blender and obviously scored his touchdown against him. Uh, what else is there to say about this game? Oh, Odell Beckham went up, climbed the ladder for his touchdown. He was just missed on a one or two deep shots down the field too. Uh, he only ended up with 28 receiving yards on the day. Again, did have a score to his name. Um, but from what I saw, near full-time player and they're getting him more and more and more incorporated. They even told the story and you know, this, that, you know, by trading him, it was more of like a piece on top of everything that they had. And then the day later, Robert Woods goes down. So this usage of a near 100% player is being rushed. And so- As he improves in this offense and hopefully stays healthy, the offense will improve as well. Matthew Staver's still got some kinks to work out. They did some like deep boot action, like deep play action. And in fact, I wanted to bring up with Sony Michelle. They started the drives early in this game with a bunch of jumbo sets, like two tight ends plus an extra offensive lineman, just one wide receiver out there. So you're gonna see some of the wide receiver snaps skewed because of that but it's so because Sean McVay wanted to establish it. He wanted to establish the run. I think he was sick of people bringing this narrative that they're California soft boys out there, and he just wanted to Same. get back to what they did, what they did well. And uh, so, again, from the jump, it was very much jumbo sets, extra blockers, and we're going to pound the rock with Sody Michelle.
1: Do you know who the biggest baller of this game was? Who? It was, at, it was actually me. On Thursday night, oh. I had the decision between Zeke Elliott are waiting for Sony Michelle and at with two minutes before lock on that Thursday night, I was looking and I had just not the best feeling about Zeke Elliott. So I got him out of the lineup, played Sony Michelle. I think that's going to be the difference to me making the playoffs. So shout out. Shout out to Hayden.
0: On the other end of that, Jacksonville Jaguars are a 29th ranked team. Just nothing's working. Trevor Lawrence, the Jaguars had less than 100 yards in the first half. He finished with 145 passing yards. Uh, James Robinson had an early fumble. And we know the last time that he had an early fumble, he was sat for the next 18 snaps. It happened again. Carlos Hyde goes back out there on that next drive. And then guess what? Later on, Carlos Hyde fumbles as well. Uh, This team is poorly run. Laquan Treadwell is the number one wide receiver, doubling up LaVisca Chenault, 62 receiving yards at 30 receiving yards. Uh, There's nothing interesting about this team, which is crazy. When you think that it's the Number one quarterback prospect that we have seen in years. They cannot create anything. Nothing is fun. Nothing is exciting. And if the Jets, Lions, and Texans, sorry, spoiler alert, weren't any like worse, then we would 100%. I'd be comfortable having the Jacksonville Jaguars as a 32nd ranked team.
1: Next week, I'm not going to have a top 24 running back, top 48 wide receiver or like top no, 15 so tight end on this team. It's, it's pathetic. Uh Do you want to shout shout at us again? Uh The Marvin Jones takes from earlier on the season, just like we can pour, pour all those ones out. Like there's just, there's nothing. This offense is like Whoa. worse than I thought, man. Yeah. He yeah, hasn't yeah, done okay. anything in a while.
0: No, no, he hasn't, but he's still the team's number one wide receiver. Like, Oh yeah, we, we, we got our segment <laughs> of the season <laughs> where that proved to be true. And then now everyone doesn't care at all about the Jaguars. And so we can check that off as a win for us. I mean, I'm not going to say like, oh, sorry. In the final six games this summer, we're going to take out LeCron Treadwell being the number one (laughs) wide receiver for this team. You know, we we get that one right. That's for sure. Next up, number seven, Dallas Cowboys. They beat up on the New Orleans Saints on Thursday night, 27 to seventeen, What do you think of this game? And We saw Dak Prescott throw the ball 40 times. He got his top receivers back in Amari Cooper and CD Lamb, and they helped out. 41 yards for Amari, 89 yards for CD. Thoughts. This offense
1: feels bad right now. Mm. Like there was that I mean Tony Pollard that had that huge 58-yard touchdown run, but Changed I mean if you like you remove that play like what was exciting about this this Dallas offense? I think obviously Amari Cooper did not play um, his full like volume. So obviously that'll get better. The offensive line is starting to get healthier, um, but Dak Prescott has just not been playing as well as usual. And I think that the Cowboys are going to have a decision to make Ezekiel Elliott's like clearly not hundred percent. Like yeah. this version of Zeke, like when, when you and I were like arguing Zeke is better than Tony Pollard, like that was like healthy Zeke. Like at least for me, it's n- no question. Tony Pollard is better than Zeke right now. So they're eight and four. The Cowboys are, I would like to see Zeke Elliott sit a week, maybe two weeks, see what they have with Tony Pollard. Cause you want to at least see, I think Tony Pollard's a free agent this year. Like, let's see what he looks like as like the full down back for a week or two. Um, I don't think that's going to happen because the Cowboys love Zeke Elliott. And I think that he's like an identity back. So I don't think that they want to do that, but I would like to see it. Cause Zeke Elliott right now can't rank him as an RB one, even though he's playing within this offense, just because he's clearly not effective and he's losing a little bit more, Uh, opportunities to Tony Pollard, rightfully so.
0: Yeah, bruised knee, and you could see times on his final few steps, he was limping at the end of it. I'm with you. I wasn't one of those people, and there were people prior to the season started saying that Ezekiel Elliott was worse than Tony Pollard, and Tony Pollard should get, you know, 70% of the work. I think that proved to be untrue for the first half of the season, but now since this injury, I think it was against the Panthers that it happened, he's been considerably slowed down. And if this offense is supposed to be multiple, It's supposed to be explosive. Then Tony Pollard is your best avenue for doing that. Now, I still do believe that if you're running between the tackles and between the guards, Zeke does different things than Tony Pollard does there. I mean, his touchdown run for for TP was to the edge. So many of his great runs this season when they use the tandem in the backfield are to the outside. So Zeke is still a fantastic pass pro blocker as well. So he has a role to play. I just wish wish it was healthy versus us questioning and when is that going to change? But I'm with you. Like if this team is going to make the playoffs, which, you know, they are eight and four right now, having him for the week one of the playoffs is much more important than week 16, week 17, week 18. Right? Yeah. Yep. Anything on the saints, the saints we have as our 24th ranked team, Taysom Hill got the start, went 19 to 41, 264, two touchdowns, four interceptions, also at 101 rushing yards. It's like the fantasy football scoregami he put out there because it was brutal to watch. He still has not improved as a quarterback. Then he goes out there and posts, I don't know, 25 fantasy points for everyone that started him.
1: Yeah, Oh, he was an elite fantasy play. Um, He did get saved by a 70-yard touchdown to Deontay Harris. That was not like a beautiful pass by Taysom Hill. That was just like all yards of the catch stuff. So that inflated his numbers. He's dealing with mallet finger, which is the same injury that Mm -hmm. Russell Wilson has. They were thinking about surgery. Uh, ESPN's Adam Schefter, fellow insider, said that uh, Taysom Hill is not going to do surgery, but it's something to monitor. We'll see if that means they'll go to uh, Trevor Simeon or if he's just not going to be as effective. It's not as severe of a case as Russell Wilson, um, but if you are banking on Taysom Hill being the week 14 starter, you better at least have a backup plan um, and I think that we should rightfully move him down a couple of spots because he can get benched uh, a quarter into this game because of the, of a setback or something
0: like that. They are five and seven. And in fairness, we mentioned this as soon as, you know, quarterback changes happen, spreads drastically change. But to me, it wasn't a big enough adjustment for the spread of that game when Alvin Kamara, Ryan Ramczyk, and Teron Armstead are out because they're the identity of the team as much as the quarterbacks have changed this season. Uh, and so without them, and again, in fairness to this team, significantly, significantly shorthanded. And as we've talked about, you know, the last time Taysom Hill was, you know, getting quarterback reps and getting quarterback starts, his wide receivers were Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. And now he has little Jordan Humphrey out there and Nick Vanette and Jawan Johnson and Trey Smith and Mark. You know, it's just it's not even comparable. It's not even comparable. Yep. Fisting. All right. Forward move on. Everyone, thank you for being here. Appreciate it. Like and subscribe while you are in the chat. We'll be here on Tuesdays for our fancy usage show. We go back, watch all the games, look and scrape all the data for production and put context to it as well. So that's our Tuesday show. And then Thursdays is obviously a game by game preview show. So seven in the book, we mentioned eight is the New England Patriots playing a Monday night football. Cannot wait for that one. Now for number nine, Hayden. Number nine. Sorry, Rodman. That can change. My night football's ahead of us. Yeah, win Monday night. Yeah, it's on you. Indianapolis Colts shut out the Houston Texans. 31 to zero. That brings the Colts to seven and six on the season. Hayden, that is four wins in their last five games. Six wins in their last seven games. The Houston Texans are on a roll and it's so fun to see a team figure out who they are during periods where it can be difficult to do that because it's a weekend week out league that you're dealing with injuries. And even with, I think Ryan Kelly on the COVID list and some other pieces missing along the way, the Colts were able to give Jonathan Taylor 32 freaking carries for 143 yards and two scores.
1: Yeah, I would say the only, I think this Colts team's definitely good. And I think that are better Top than 10. the Titans. Yeah, I think they're I think they're better than the Titans for sure. Um, I think it's like what a one game lead right now or one and a half. Uh, So I can see that flipping. Uh, The one concern I possibly could have. You're going to poke a hole at all is just how top heavy the Colts are on offense. Like it's Jonathan Taylor. It's Michael Pittman. Naeem Hines can do a couple things, but like T.Y. Hilton, who had like 99 yards on average against the Texans over like 16 career games coming into this one. He had twenty two yards. So, you know, when T Y doesn't go off against the Texans, you know he's actually washed. Jack Doyle, Pascal, like all these guys, Ashton Doolin, like they need somebody else. Um, but all of that's a negative in like real life, possibly, but a massive positive for Michael Pittman. Even in a game where it's thirty one to zero, he still gets eight targets, six for seventy seven. Um, he's going into the bye week as gonna be what, a top twenty receiver on the year. It's pretty crazy.
0: Yeah, in my head, when you mentioned how narrow they are in terms of their skill position players, it's John Taylor and it's Michael Pittman. Now, Naeem Hines pops up there every once in a while, like Ashton Doolin has popped up there as well. Uh, my brain instantly jumped to, OK, what if they face like Bill Belichick in the playoffs and right, he takes away their best thing? Guess who they play next week? Well, in two weeks, December 18th, the New England Patriots. So we will get that test before the playoffs if the Colts even get to the playoffs, which is still absolutely a question for them. And then right after that, it's the Arizona Cardinals. So it's two very different teams that they're facing the next two weeks. The Colts have answered a ton of questions, I mean, being the Bills, being the 49ers. Uh, they have put up against the Texans this year. They've won 62 to three. It's tough. It's tough. <laughs> if you need a blueprint to beat the Texans, just follow what the the Indianapolis Colts have uh, have done this year. Yeah, I mean... If Carson Wentz limits his mistakes with Frank Reich and even his mobility that has regained since his ankles have healed, it's a a big difference maker. It's a big difference maker for them. Uh, The Texans we have at 32, which makes tons of sense despite two wins on the season. Uh, Davis Mills and Tyrod Taylor got in this game. Tyrod 45 yards and one interception, 49 yards and zero. Again, I'll bring it up like I did the Jaguars. At least they have Trevor Lawrence. There is not one player on this team that you can say, hey, we want to build around them for the next five years on the Houston Texans.
1: Yeah, outside of Rex Burkhead, obviously. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, this, I think Tyrod got benched. He wasn't hurt. He was just straight up benched. And apparently they're weighing their options at who's going to start for the rest of the season. At this point, they could easily say, let's at least figure out if Davis Mills is good enough to be our backup quarterback back next year. Um, and, I've been doing a little NFL draft peeking the quarterbacks, man. It's not,
0: nah, it's not, it's it's not not good. So I don't know what they're going to do. One final thing on the Colts. I mean, thinking back to the records are drastically different. The player at quarterback is different in the way their skills are. But you remember when like the Ravens could swarm you from like start to finish if they got up on top when Lamar won the MVP? the ravens i mean the 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 colts can very much do that right now like if they're up on the scoreboard against you and like you cannot stop jonathan taylor early on and the offensive line gets its footing and it gets its grips and drives you back 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 i mean how demoralizing it must be for 32 carries for 143 yards and two scores from jt and they can do that to some of the best teams in the NFL, especially with how these teams are built now. It's so fun to look at them, to look at the Patriots, to look at a few other teams that we have mentioned and will mention who have gone in the opposite direction versus how a lot of these other teams did in terms of spreading out and being able to just win with speed. These guys are just bullies. They're bullies. Los Angeles Chargers, we have at number 10. Huge win for them in week 13, 41 to 22. That brings the Chargers to seven and five. Justin Herbert, 317 yards, three scores. This game was all, all over the place. Uh, Two early turnovers by the Bengals set up the Chargers for a lot of success. It was a a sack fumble. And then it was a deep shot to Jamar Chase that he almost could have walked in or ran in. Stumbles, fumbles it, hands it on over to the Chargers. And I have this written down. But like these entire sequences that we got early on from the Chargers, third and nine, 11 personnel, Justin Herbert climbs the pocket, resets, Keenan finds him in the soft area. Two plays later, second 11, keep the tight end to block, which they did a lot of max protection stuff because as we know, Justin Herbert got destroyed in the pocket last week. And it's a very much a difference on if he's going to have success, if he's clean versus if the pocket is pressured. Deep shot to Mike Williams, who wins over Chidobe Awuzie. Drive ends with a fourth and goal. Another callback from us. You remember when we discussed during this losing streak that they had, they just stopped being aggressive on fourth downs. Immediately on their first scoring drive, they went for and fourth and goal from the four-yard line and got it with Keenan Allen. So like I have more written down. But basically, those three drives plus two turnovers put up 17 to nothing on the scoreboard.
1: Does your note say Hayden Winks underdog of the week to go to (laughs) eight and five on the year? Uh, Yeah, a lot of crazy stuff happened here. I think the first thing was the injury reports. And we have to be paying attention to these offensive lines on the Chargers. They got Matt Filer back their left guard. And on the Bengals, they had their center and their right tackle um, on the inactive list. And then early on, we have Joe Burrow uh, dislocated his right pinky. But even before that, it was already lopsided. Joe Mixon. They went with this balanced approach early. His first eight carries went for 10 yards. And by that time, the Chargers had already been super aggressive. That fourth down uh, touchdown, that was an absolute missile to yep. Keenan Allen. Um, that was just kind of the difference. This game just snowballed out of control. And it wasn't even like the cleanest Chargers game. I mean, they had a couple couple fumbles here uh, as well. And Joey Bosa left early with concussion. So this was just an elite offense showing up against a fraudulent defense. That was getting uh, the best out of the easiest strength of schedule in the league. And quite frankly, the, the Bengals just aren't ready. They're just not that good yet, especially when their offensive line is banged up. So they have some good skill players and those guys can make big plays, but their defense is still a work in progress. And I think I just trust the Chargers coaching staff way more than I do with the Bengals. And the big difference here is just Justin Herbert being that aggressive the ceiling for Mike Williams, Keenan Eckler. Everybody's just so high. Top five neutral pace, top five neutral pass rate. That's fantasy success.
0: The Bengals did call back and they, there are a number 13 team. So just a few spots after the chargers, um, two Austin Eckler fumbles. One was as a receiver. One was as a runner. The game actually got super close 24 to 22, thanks to a deep shot to T Higgins over the middle of the field. Um, but then Joe Mixon out of nowhere, like barely touching the backfield, fumble six, and as soon as that happens, goes thirty to twenty-two. The game is a is a total wrap. I mean, after again bring it to a two point game, the Bengals fair just failed to score since then. A couple more things in the Chargers. I want to go back to them because it it can be difficult to know what Chargers offense you're getting prior to each week because I don't think like Justin Herbert's arm changes. I don't think the talent of Mike Williams changes, and especially Keen Allen over the middle of the field so on and so forth, but in terms of the deep shots and how aggressive they are, this game, multiple deep shots to Mike Williams on on the outside, and so much of that lined up with one-on-one single coverage, and so sometimes Justin Herbert had to move in the pocket. He is so good at resetting, and then as soon as he gets his base underneath him, laser show, ropes, and some of those instances he would lob it up because Mike Williams would make these Freaking Bengals corners look like they're four foot nine. Just go up and moss them. And it wasn't just to them, because then Justin Herbert throws an absolute dart to I think Jalen Guyton, yeah, for yep. a forty four yard touchdown. shot, long touchdown as well. So the Bengals, it's something I'm going to review this week. And I'm sure you will too in the All Twenty Two. If they're you know playing you know single high or leaving these cornerbacks in isolation, then. Justin Herbert is going to get aggressive on your ass and yeah. he did that today. I
1: thought this was the perfect matchup just it's a lot of just basic looks for the Bengals and like I think that this is a young offense we have to remember that with a a, a young coaching staff that that just you have to give them some time to kind of learn on the fly. So that's why I always rank the Chargers so high because the potential is so high cuz we haven't seen this team that uh, for that many games. So like I think that they probably learned a lot from those that middle part of the season. And I can see them getting super hot. So this team's just still like with Derwin James. Hopefully, Joey Bosa gets back soon and he's healthy. Um, this offense just is like so ready to go crazy.
0: And we know a big storyline coming into this was that Joe Mixon was supposed to smash on um, the Chargers' last ranked rushing. Defense while well, he only had 54 yards of 19 carries and one touchdown. One, the turnovers played a big deal. So when you're down, you know, 10 nothing, it's not as easy to run. And in fact, part of the reason why the Bengals got back into it is because they stuck with that running game. But they also were hyper aggressive early on and were just flying, flying downhill. Um, I wanted to bring up this touchdown to Jalen Guyton actually, because I think it really outlines like, look, you have a slot corner isolated over, and this technically, is a too high safety. Let me pull down that too high safety look, right? But obviously the slot corner stays down. So it's zone and zone becomes man. When you have one, probably the fastest wide receiver on the team and Jalen Guyton running straight on with the safety over the top. And as soon as obviously Justin Herbert sees that after play action from the opposite end, again, it's him resetting, getting his base underneath him and boom, if he's even, he's leaving. and It's a beautiful ball up there for the touchdown. I wish we had the dots for the other Mike Williams receptions, but that's a big deal. A couple things on the, on the Bengals before we move on. Joe Burrow did injure his pinky just before halftime. The ball would flutter on him a little bit. He was like pulling on it. He was grabbing it. It absolutely was, was irritating him. That's very different than the mallet finger, which seems to be the pointer finger for Russell Wilson and, and Taysom Hill. And so maybe the, Pinky is easier to play with. He didn't miss any time, but it's not like he ever has like the strongest arm. He was still trying to will his team back and and have them you know come out victorious. But uh, that is just something to monitor. Six sacks he took today. Six sacks for Joe Burrow.
1: What's like the worst finger injury? Is it the mallet finger? Is it the Joe Burrow finger? Is that Urban Meyer finger um, from early on this? Season? No,
0: it's the it's the Tory Holt finger injuries. Have you I seen those before? Who's Tory Holt? Okay, here I'm going to bring this up because you have to, you have to see it before we move on. I know the chat absolutely knows what I'm talking about here. Is it the Brian Baldinger
1: fingers? Oh yeah,
0: this is this is from catching footballs your entire life. (laughs) That's ridiculous. I mean, it's uh, I don't even know what to say. How does your glove? Does the glove just custom made or
1: what? Yeah, it's custom made. That's why Nike. Yeah. Got to get a sponsorship from from Nike for
0: for those gloves. San Francisco 49ers, Hayden, we have as our 11th ranked team despite a loss today. I'm not going to call it surprising because, in fact, I believe it was the Seahawks fourth time in a row beating the San Francisco 49ers 30 to 23. A goal line stand, fourth and goal, prevented the 49ers from coming out on top. Let's start with them since they rank higher on our list. It's amazing that Jimmy's stat line looks this good. 20 completions, 209 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. I mentioned this statement earlier in the season. This was a performance for why you select a quarterback in the top three. Yep.
1: All of his production was just George Kittle yards after the catch. That one play, I think it was a was it the forty eight yard touchdown where he was uh, tight roping near the sideline? Like, there's no reason a guy that big running that fast should also be able to get his feet stayed in bounds and run down um, the sideline for a big touchdown. So yeah, like obviously all the stats that I mentioned with Jimmy G are super fraudulent because it's just so much of the system. Um, but the system will get you so far, and just these NFC West teams always just beat up on each other. Hmm. Um, and obviously the Debo Samuel uh injury had to play some impact i think the the other injury was fred warner the best linebacker in the nfl not playing either that's gotta hurt for the 49ers so i'm i'm super excited to watch uh this game on replay this week
0: yeah and again i'm not knocking the 49ers too much in the rankings i don't think i moved them down like one or two spots and it's because they didn't have their best player on the field like i think that's something that we should keep in mind with these uh he did hit George Kittle on, I think a 25 yard touchdown directly of the middle of the field that he did lob between a linebacker and the safety. But like even the first three throws, they were playing cover one robber where last week, you know, Harrison Smith completely baited Jimmy Garoppolo and just goes straight into his vision because he's just isolated so much in the middle of the field. And so he gets tentative when it's just pump, 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 nothing's open. And then he also just tries to force it, just staring that down and like not even throwing to anyone open. He just knows like, this is my window. I'm going to hit it. And then he sailed passes that like limited yards after catch opportunities. And then his second interception was a sailed pass as well.
1: The two high podcasts, Seth Galina and Deontay Lee, they talk about this a lot. Um, so much of what Jimmy G is asked to do is just reading high, low, just there's two routes coming over in your face. It's going over the top or underneath the linebacker. And those are pretty effective plays. But like one in six of those is going to be just the most brutal pick to a linebacker or an overthrown pass that goes way too far right into the safety. So that's why we always deal with these like really bad Jimmy G interceptions. It's because they keep spamming the same play over and over again. It's long term. It's an effective play if you just like look what the four nights are doing. But you'll get some of these games where like two, three of these interceptions come in and it's it's good nighttime. So it's super frustrating to watch. And he has some of the worst interceptions you'll see. Yeah because he just didn't see the linebacker the safety crashing.
0: And if part of this exercise in ranking these teams, again we have the 49ers 11th, is to say like hey they're the best or they have this X chance of winning the Super Bowl, I don't believe that they're nearly as good as when they got to the Super Bowl a few years ago. And even when they were that good especially defensively, they had to play perfect in the Super Bowl in those moments to like be in it and then also to potentially win. And it's the same old, same old here. Like yeah. you have to have a perfect environment for all of this to hit and it hits in games, but it's much different. It's much different when you get to the playoffs. One final note on George, Kittle: this is ludicrous stuff. And we ask questions on, cause yards after catch and winning on the edge is so important to them because again, all of their targets, not all of them, 70% of them are in the middle of the field. Um, George Kittle was the yards after catch threat. I mean, Brandon Nayuk. Six targets, three receptions, eight, 55 yards. I don't think he had a target until the second quarter and a reception until the third quarter. Um, and then Jawan Jennings, who like technically was said to be the replacement here, just you know one reception for eight yards. And then Eli Mitchell, again and again, no other running back got a carry on this team. He had 22 carries for 66 yards and a score, just a long run of nine. So for an explosive player with juice, the Seahawks did a really good job Of limiting those big plays. And he did leave for a short period of time being checked for concussion as well after a fumble.
1: What about the Seahawks? Phil, me and they scored 30 points here. That's pretty surprising.
0: I mean, I wish I took notes. I was getting ready for the stream, getting all of that. What happened to them was early on, it was a three and out. Pete Carroll goes for a fake punt and they get a 73 yarder that had to have been one of the easiest. Did they really fake Damn. punt? Did you never see this? I'll no, try to find I'm the dots. The, 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 the dots are, are, are around. They're floating around, but it's absolutely nuts. How, how he was able to basically go completely untouched. Yeah, here we go. I got it for you, Travis Homer and just always blocks for the score. And so there's that. It was also the 49ers weren't unable to win this game, even though Gerald Everett, Contributed three turnovers himself, like two fumbles, one interception that he gave to the 49ers defense. Now, obviously the Seahawks got a few turnovers of their own. Adrian Pearson fumbled on his first carry. I mean, no one did anything. Tyler Lockett had, you know, some deep shots. DK Metcalf had one beautiful deep shot as well, but it's not like the Seahawks found their mojo back offensively. It was just, they finally got drives, I think much closer to to their own end zone. So I think the 26, the 23 and the 26, they only scored points on one of those drives too. So it was just really advantageous turnovers.
1: I see that their EPA per play was 0.0, which is 40th percentile for a game. And uh, Russ's completion percent, uh, completion percentage over expected was like 96 percentile. So the fact that he was that accurate, but they still weren't able to move the ball kind of just like goes another kind of point into this, this weird Seattle team that just like their offense it just seems broken. And yeah. they have way too much talent to for that to be the case. But I, I feel pretty pretty cool with us still ranking Seattle uh 23rd in our power rankings.
0: Yeah. 49ers now six and six. Seahawks still not going to make the playoffs. They're there at four and eight. And again, I don't think they solved anything. Carlos Dunlap had an awesome game lining up against the backup right tackle for the 49ers and Tom Compton. And that's a weak area to to pinpoint moving forward because there are plenty of plays where he was just blasted into the backfield and. Once you're in Jimmy's lap, uh, the play's over. The play's over. Hey, a
1: lot of people will want to be in Jimmy's lap, to be fair.
0: (laughs) Baltimore Ravens also lose. We're in a streak here. Our number 12 team lose the Pittsburgh Steelers, the underdog of the week, 20 to 19. What should we say about Lamar Jackson? It felt like just from observing this from afar, Hayden, it was, hey, Lamar's going to make things happen, do everything he can, 253 yards, 55 yards on the ground. And then if anything doesn't work to Devontae Freeman, they're kind of lost. He
1: had a really bad game. And it's the same thing that's been plaguing them for the last month and kind of Lamar's career. It's against the Blitz. And he was sacked seven times today. Not all of those were because of Blitzes. Um, but there was an interception that he threw off his back foot with pressure coming in on him. That was a bad decision. He always seemed a little bit late on his passes against pressure. And Tony Romo kept saying this, like, Dude, you got to get the ball out, get the ball out. And I looked, uh, sports info solutions coming into this game against cover zero and cover one, only Trevor Lawrence was worse in yards per attempt. Lamar was at 5.2. And then if you look at success rate, the only quarterbacks worse against the blitz this year than Lamar Jackson, Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. So that seemed like a systemic issue. And I didn't like, um, when uh, they were marching down the field for this uh, potentially game winning drive, which Lamar handled very well. Um, Rashad Bateman just wasn't out there. I mean, he's clearly not the number three receiver, the number four receiver Devin DuVernay is playing in the slot. He still was getting those manufactured touches behind the line of scrimmage. So I think that if you're in redraft, I mean, you don't have to drop Rashad Bateman, but if you're debating between two players, I mean, Rashad Bateman played, I would guess, like 40% of the snaps today and wasn't targeted at all. And when the game was on the line, even that two-point conversion, which uh, nearly um, was uh, caught, he wasn't out there for that. So I don't know what's going on. The Greg Roman stuff always seems to be like one piece missing because Lamar's so dynamic. But there's always these games that kind of pop up, and it's been like this for like a month.
0: I know the spreadsheets and the stats and analytics have pointed to like the Ravens escaping – losses all season long like they're super fraudulent and this one to me made the most sense for for them to lose because the Steelers at home as more than a field goal underdogs with Mike Tomlin have like just a ludicrous record and I know that early on I mean it was just seven to three at halftime I wasn't expecting this low of a score in game like 39 points but seven sacks with Lamar. like as soon as you saw T.J. Watt come off the COVID list and play in this game that changes the defense for the Steelers because he is athletic, he is tenacious, he is a great one-on-one talent. So I do think like that defense goes of the way sometimes of of T.J. Watt, but having him out there, I'm sure, was a, a huge impact.
1: Yeah, 100%. On the other side of the ball, Big Ben looked much better than he usually did. Mm. And I think the reason for that was it just so easy against this Ravens team that's super banged up in the secondary, and that's even more so the case. Uh, Marlon uh, Humphrey, they're by far their best secondary option right now. Uh, The reason why they didn't go or that they went for two with the game on the line is because Marlon Humphrey has a serious injury. They didn't want to comment on it, but it sounded not good based off of Harbaugh's statements. So what the Ravens do every single time, they have not changed because of injuries this year, is they just go cover zero, cover one, Sometimes a little bit of cover three, and they are just on your ass. And if you have the white the right weapons to beat it, you can move the ball on them. And that's exactly what happened here. Deontay made multiple amazing grabs. He almost had a over the shoulder drop down grab. Yeah, I mean when we talk about drops, the ones that like Tough are one. really bad are like sitting in zone. You just drop it when it's down the field. Like everyone freaks out like over MVS's drops. MVS's drops are, like near the sideline, like sixty yards downfield. Like those are they're running twenty miles an hour and they're playing through contact. Like those aren't nearly as bad. This one cost him a touchdown, but um, he had the third and goal touchdown to kind of uh, ended up being the game winning touchdown. Just they just missed Chase Claypool on the on the deep shot, but. Overall, Big Ben at least didn't look like a stone cold disaster, and we have to really worry about the Ravens in the secondary because they just don't have enough guys to play man defense, and that's what their whole structure is yeah. supposed to be.
0: The, the Jimmy Smith versus Deontay Johnson experiment certainly went in the direction of, of Deontay. I mean, I posted that Pickham line on Thursday, where the line for him was set at sixty nine and a half receiving yards. I mean, he crushed it one hundred and five two scores. You mentioned it. And you've come a long way, Hayden, advocating for Deontay Johnson and apologizing for he's him. He's been and very sticking good up for him. He's been very he's been, good. He's been, he's been um, much better this year, to be fair. But he's been he's been elite. <laughs> and again, the thesis to the plays here, and Chase Claypool didn't technically get there with just 52 yards, but 31st and explosive plays allowed. The Ravens are, and they're 32nd in yards head for catch. And when you have a quarterback who took just one sack today for zero yards lost because he gets rid of the football so quickly. And you have talented, you know, pass catching weapons, having them win after the catch, or based on coverage, lobbying it up there and allowing them to win down the field, that's the perfect formula for it. So it just made so much sense to to pick the Steelers here. They're still lost. I mean, they're six, five, and one. Ben rumors came out this morning, suggestions that it is his first year, his final year, at least with the Steelers. I mean, just imagine if they had traded for Gardner Minshew. Where could they well, be? What
1: what was the like was it not weird that all these reports are this will be his last year, dot 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 With in Pittsburgh? Like, yeah. like who like does he want to play for for someone else? Like, I didn't know what was going on. That's that's for another podcast. We got too many games know. to recap, but that was that was
0: weird. Matt Rule might be a big fan. Who knows? Oh yeah. <laughs> uh Another losing team is up next. Number 14, the Minnesota Vikings. Lose to the Detroit Lions. Yes, the Lions' first win of the season, 29-27 to over Minnesota. Okay, a few notes here on the Vikings. First, Alexander Madison stepped in for Dalvin Cook. 22 carries, 90 yards, one score, three catches, 34 yards. Exactly what we wanted. You know, Jamar Jefferson or whoever Jefferson. No, sorry. That's the wide receiver, Justin Jefferson. <laughs> got one carry. Kenny and Wongwu got two carries. So, I mean, this was the Alexander Madison show and it worked out. It was great for us. Justin Jefferson, dominant. 11 receptions, 182 yards, and one score, 14 targets. I think this game changed on the first drive when Adam Thielen catches a third and nine screen on the outside, gets his ankle twisted on the sideline saying to his teammates, whispering, high ankle sprain. Obviously, he stayed in the sideline and watched the rest of the game, but that's going to be a multi-week injury. And so then you remove Adam Thielen and you put in K.J. Osborne in two wide receiver sets. That's a huge difference for a team that had already had so many injuries on the defensive side of the ball. That's a major impact in offense for them.
1: It's really just like a chemistry thing. Like Adam Thielen, Kirk Cousins is like – just so dynamic because of their chemistry. And obviously you're not going to have that with KJ Osborne. Uh, Osborne 100% will need to be picked up in your league. Uh, at the very least, Phelan's going to miss the next week because they play on Thursday night football. He's mm. most likely going to miss multiple weeks. I wouldn't be surprised if they put him on injured reserve. So Justin Jefferson is literally going to leave this planet. He's averaging 97 yards per game in his 26 starts in this career. 97 yards. I would set his over under for the rest of the season at like a hundred yards plus per game with feeling not out there. Um, and no Dalvin cook for next week either. So it's just gonna be Alexander Madison and Justin Jefferson competing for like number one overall, depending on the matchups. Um, and then I think KJ Osborne and then we have to talk about Tyler Conklin a little bit too. Those two are going to be kind of, um, splitting the work that feeling kind of leaves
0: behind. So heading into this week, if I asked you to guess where Justin Jefferson was for total targets in the league, where do you think he ranks? Oh, like, I would say like ninth. It's exactly ninth. <laughs> you nerd. <laughs> Let's go. Try it's, me. It's exactly ninth. So that obviously be bumped up because he was averaging 8.9. And again, he comes in and gets 14, I believe, today. This is such a ludicrous route who's better than who is better
1: than he is I, I, I we're getting that we're getting to that point man
0: yeah my point when saying that is if he was averaging 8.9 as number nine like we could see him start averaging 11 and right now you know tyreek and cooper cup are averaging 11 and they're number one and number two in targets in the league at the moment so like there is an avenue for Justin Jefferson to be top three, top four in targets at the end of the season. I mentioned skill position groups and injuries happening there. We talked about with Dalvin Cook. We just talked about with Adam Thielen. It's also along the offensive line. Like, they're forcing guards now to play tackle, like Oli Udo. Shout out Elon. Uh, had a few false starts today at left tackle. But, like, changing all of those in a you know outside zone system with play action and timing and screens, that – is chaos all over the place. It sounds like we're making a lot of excuses here for the Vikings, but it's a fun team with good offensive pieces that we think Kirk deserves a little more credit than he has gotten so far. And I know that they just lost the lions, but it's a, uh, it's a changing at the moment.
1: Did you, how, how much of this game did you watch? Do you have any notes on the lines or anything?
0: I, I mean, I have a couple, like, again, we had the lines at 31. It's our first one of the season. Jared Goff lost this game before he won it. Uh, there was a free rusher on him. He's like strafed and side stepped him. And then it's like, there's something where dogs, when you put a, like their toy in a cabinet, like the smart ones know it's still there, but other ones like, just like leave it and start walking around. It's like, as soon as a defender runs past him, Jared Goff doesn't think he exists anymore. And so then he just took a step and like started his same extended long wind up and boom, there you go. There's a, there's another sack, forced fumble, but I mean the, the the touchdown throw to win it, final seconds, off coverage by two, you know Minnesota defensive backs, and he threads it in there, man. He threads it in there. Amon Ra, 86 yards. Josh Reynolds in his second start, 69 yards. Jamal Williams didn't have nearly the day that Alexander Mason did, just 17 carries for 71 yards, also just one catch for nine yards but good for them. I mean, meant a lot for Dan Campbell, meant a lot for Jared Goff. The embrace that they had after the win was pretty cool to see.
1: Yeah, it was amazing. Uh, I have one note. Um, Jamal Williams was uh, out routed by Godwin Iguibuki, mm-hmm. uh 24 to 12. So um, he's kind of like not really in the Deandre Swift role. So more of an RB2 certainly than an RB1, especially because I mean, the Lions won this game and he wasn't an RB1. So He's definitely an RB2 moving forward.
0: Yeah. And Amon Ra is a, a tough one to gauge because this was easily his highest targeted game of the season with 12. Previously it's been four, four, six, five. And he is, you know, the the shorter A dot player. Like that's where all of his receptions are. And if he can win after the catch a little bit, if he can find the end zone, then that that truly does help him. If I was like to pick one moving forward, if you like you get that dicey, and or if you see him in the pick'em lobby, Josh Reynolds continues to be the one who can make some plays down the fields.
1: I saw a report of Amon Ross St. Brown wanting to play on the outside more. So I wonder if we might've seen a little bit of uh, that. So we'll, we'll, we'll figure out all that mm. stuff for the fantasy usage show. I'm sure.
0: Good timing. Good timing for it. All right. We covered the Vikings at 14. Now it's time for your Las Vegas Raiders Hayden. You rank them far higher than I do. Off a loss. 17 to 15 loss to the Washington football team who we have at 19, 19 overall. So at six and six, the Las Vegas have Raiders have have lost, you know Henry ruggs for the season. I they've lost Darren Waller right now for a period of time. Why should we even have them at fifteen? What is well, they, mean, they, like? just,
1: they just beat the cow the Cowboys on the road. Um, the, the, their, their quarterback play is just too good. Like this was a game where they just clearly did not have enough weapons. Uh, coming into this game, they were averaging point fourteen fewer EPA per play without Darren Waller. I hope Darren Waller's back this week. I think that's why I have him ranked ahead because he's just such a focal point to this off offense. Foster Moreau can play a little bit, but he was only targeted a couple times, um, today. And it's a lot of, it's just Hunter Renfro right now. Who's absolutely absurd coming into this game. Wide receiver 17 on wide receiver 19 over the last month. Then today he catches nine of his 10 targets and he's just playing extremely well. So, a couple injury notes to, to monitor. Kenyon Drake was carted off with a knee injury. Seems like that's going to be a probably season ender. Josh Jacobs played in the two-minute drill. He had his ankle taped up a couple times, clearly playing through it, but he had a goal line touchdown, caught some passes. So he's going to be in that uh, RB2 mix. So, um, yeah, it wasn't the prettiest game, but I think with Darren Waller coming back, uh, hopefully next week that this offense should get a little bit better. And they, they've beaten some good teams this year.
0: Just to dive into that a little bit more, you have them at the, as the 13th overall team ahead of the Bengals, the Vikings, the Philadelphia Eagles, You going on and on. I mean, when I'm just looking at their records and their success, I mean, they've lost four of their last five. I think they're going in the completely wrong direction. And they, want, they beat the Cowboys, yes, on Thanksgiving. That was without Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb. You know, totally, totally different Cowboys offense. I'm really afraid of, and this isn't like a Derek Carr comment but of what the ceiling of the offense can be. Like you can't just have games where you put up 17 points, 13 points, 14 points, 16 points. And that's the totals that they've put up in the four losses that they've had in the last five games. You know? And I think like that's around the area where they might be. Yeah. They just don't have the pieces now. They just don't have the pieces.
1: Yeah. This, this is assuming Darren Waller's coming back. This, this Waller injury is not supposed to be that serious. And Darren Waller plus Hunter Renfro. it's not great, but, um, the quarterback plays just too good to be ranking these other teams ahead of them. This like, uh, I, like team 11 to team 24. It's a, like it's the a exact pretty game. shitty area of these power. It's rankings. Just, yeah. It's whatever to me.
0: Some of it might even be for entertainment factor, uh, to close the season though, the Raiders have the chiefs away, the Browns away, the Broncos, the Colts and the chargers. They might win six games this year. It's tough. That's potential. We have the Philadelphia Eagles, Oh, no, we didn't talk about the Washington football team at all. Let's talk about them. 19, Taylor Heineke does it again. Tell me about it, Hayden. Did you watch this game at all?
1: Yeah, I watched this game in entirety. Uh, Taylor Heineke made a couple plays that I guess were pretty fun. He had a dropped interception on the game-winning drive. Uh, There was a couple injury notes. Uh, Logan Thomas left with a knee injury. Don't know the severity of it. Curtis Samuel got back, and he actually was playing a little bit. They hmm. kept motioning him into the backfield a little bit, which I, I know you would like. Um, there's even one uh running back carry, and this is like a a Scott Turner specialty. I I, I really like this play calling. Um, they went into spread and then they motioned Curtis Samuel back into the backfield, and then they on a third and four, which they needed uh desperately in the last drive, they just hand the ball off to him, and you see the linebackers like trying to figure out is this a running, do we identify this as a running back or is this a wide receiver? And like all the matchups. So these are the little wrinkles that Scott Turner's um, doing. So this offense is functional. Uh, Antonio Gibson had a a decent day. um, Very volume based, got all the volume that you'd ever need. But the big storyline to me was this kicker, 48 yard winner. He was brought in on this team this week. It was his first field goal attempt on the roster because it was just touchdowns up to this point and then absolutely nails this 48 yard and then went crazy for him. So uh, this team is obviously fired up. This team to me on offense is pretty well coached and they have just enough playmakers and hopefully Curtis Samuel um, remains healthy and they can actually like start using him as like a legit wide receiver.
0: With Joe Brady being fired with the Panthers and Scott Turner emerging with lesser talented offensive pieces. uh, I stand Scott Turner. I I'm, Scott Turner. I'm
1: team Scott Turner too. Let's go. All
0: right. 16 after the Raiders at 15, we have the Philadelphia Eagles. They beat the New York jets 33 to 18. And yes, Gardner Minshew makes the starting debut for the Eagles 20 of 25 242, and two scores. So much of that. In fact, 105 yards of it and two touchdowns went to Dallas Goddard on just six receptions. Um, some of that was like off of, An RPO like situation where Dallas Goddard would trickle out, they'd give it to him, and you know, he is athletic for his size and would turn up the field and no New York Jets defenders were there. Again, I think a lot of the statements I'm about to make about Gardner Minshew can be bookended by what it was against the Jets because it felt like every single receiver was wide open. I mean, over mill the field, he hit Dallas Goddard for a long touchdown of 36 yards wide open between the safeties and between the linebackers. Uh, he was also given plenty of time in the pocket Gardner Munchie was, which is very different than his days with the Jacksonville Jaguars where he would have to, you know, buy time, extend plays. All he had to do here was just be accurate and, you know, going up 24 to 12 at halftime, excuse me, 24 to 18, um Miles Sanders was needed for 24 carries, at 120 yards. Kenny Gainwell got healthy like series at times 12 carries for 54 yards to go along with five receptions and 33. That dynamic is interesting to me too, Hayden, because, you know, we went through stretches of this season where he was an active and then played and then an active and had a role. And I guess we're back in it because Boston Scott uh, obviously had been missing time this week. But again, I don't know what this does for the remainder of the Eagles season because Just think about this from a uh, team success standpoint, like Gardner Minshew would have done better in last week's loss against the Giants than Jalen Hurts did, but the two quarterbacks bring two totally different game plans and totally different successes to the table, but they obviously both have their deficiencies as well.
1: After the game, Sirianni said that no question Jalen Hurts is going to be starting coming out of the bye. Um And obviously we love that because Jalen Hurts has been a quarterback one, like literally every single, almost every single week, this entire season. But I think certainly if you have Dallas Goddard, and I think like you didn't love it this week for Devonta Smith, but if you have Devonta Smith, the, the clearer path to passing numbers is uh, with Gardner Minshew, who's kind of feisty at at times. Uh, The Miles Sanders stuff, at least worth tracking. It doesn't seem like it was a severe ankle sprain, but he kind of rolled it up again at the very end of this game. So he'll have the, yeah, I'll have the bye week to get ready, but like um, definitely worth monitoring, but he at least got the workload that we're looking for. 24 carries and three targets is got to be his biggest workload um, in a really long time.
0: I was certain that the long Dallas Goddard touchdown was over the middle of the field. It looks a little lean to the left here. And again, it doesn't matter who the quarterback is short and to the right is a staple of this passing game. It's a staple of this passing game. Uh, good to hear about Jalen Hurts. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I don't know if like the leash is shorter or whatever the term is, but it's, uh, it's, the Eagles are feisty. I mean, they, they, they have some good pieces and so much of it is because of the structure of the offense. That's it. Yep. Like having Jordan Maiolata and Lane Johnson, Jason Kelsey, I mean, they've gotten banged up on the interior a little bit in recent weeks. But if they give a quarterback time, hopefully, you know, an NFL caliber player can get it going down the field. I know Devontae Smith only had 15 yards here, but it was because Dallas Goddard was just owning the Jets defense early on. And CJ Mosley keep cashing those checks, buddy. Just like running on the heels and trying to chase Dallas Goddard all over the field. We have the Jets at 30. Zach Wilson attempts 38 passes, two scores. Elijah Moore leading receiver 77 yards and a score. Um, I'd say Zach Wilson had some nice second down throws, some nice third down throws. But then there are other times where when he climbs the pocket, it's like he's seeing if he can cross the street, like a look left to see if there's pressure, look right to see if there's pressure and then get rid of the ball. And like, you just can't do that. You have to play with your eyes up. Don't worry about everything else. And he's absolutely still learning that whole part of playing quarterback.
1: Yeah. I mean, today this is the Eagles defense that everyone keeps complaining about. It's way too Vanilla, just like cover two zone, cover two zone over and over again. So you'd h- like to see a little bit better production. Um, Elijah Moore definitely took advantage of Corey Davis leaving early. Um in our sit start show. We were talking about how we weren't we were pretty surprised that Corey Davis was actually going to be active after going like I think it was DNP DNP limited. So that he clearly came back too soon. I don't know if that was a setback, but if that is a step, setback, Elijah Moore the rest of the year, this can get cooking pretty, pretty obviously.
0: Yeah. And if we could pull up, you know, the route chart of Jameson Crowder too, again, it's noteworthy how different Elijah Moore's target depth and routes, how, how uncommon it is for someone of his size, because typically, you know, the projection from him coming out of Ole Miss was maybe as a slot receiver, maybe as a slot receiver, they're getting him going down the field and those are high value targets. They're not connecting here. They did connect with some other quarterbacks along the way. I'm all for it. Like, I think J- how this team is orchestrated right now, I think we know Elijah Moore could also win in this slot if you wanted to be a short intermediate type player. But he also has his vertical ability and manufactured touch ability. And so I'm glad that we're seeing these different layers and seeing what he can do well for the rest of the season because he's stuck in this role of more of an expansive wide receiver than what Jamison Crowder brings to the table.
1: Yeah, he's going he to be a stud in ball for next year too.
0: Love that. Love that. All right. We mentioned 17 with the Denver Broncos currently playing right now. Miami Dolphins at 18 beat the New York Giants 20 to nine. Hayden to a 41 attempts gets you 244 yards and two scores. And Jalen Waddle continues his great pace. Even with Devonte Parker returning to the lineup. Waddle gets 90. Parker gets 62. And Mike Gesicki gets 46.
1: So I noticed at the very end of the game, Jalen Waddle left with an injury, we don't know the severity of that, but obviously that would completely change his offense. Like he's such a focal point just because of the way the offense is constructed. So we'll have to learn more about the fantasy usage show. Uh, Devontae Parker returned at least um, miles Gaskins in the role that we want him to be in. Um, And two was playing. All right. But a lot of it is yards after the catch stuff. And like, you don't find a yards after the catch guy off the street, like Jalen Waddle. So that injury could be massive for him.
0: On the Giants' end, I don't know how much there is to say. They're another one of these boring teams right now. We know Mike Glennon got the start 44 attempts for him, and that only amounted to 187 yards and one interception. I know our buddy Cleve TA, who's great with all this stuff, mentioned in the small sample last season that Mike Glennon was, like, number one in terms of deep ball rate against the Blitz and, like, one of the best quarterbacks against the Blitz. And, like, I just think that that was – Again, based on small sample, we can chalk it up to that because it certainly didn't happen here against uh, against the Miami Dolphins. And again, without Kadarius Toney, without Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram goes four for 61. And I think Kenny Galladay also left this game early, three for 37. And Saquon Barkley's stuff in like 55-yard territory the rest of his life right now. so bad. It's so bad. <laughs> Saquon Barkley ranked like
1: RB20, and there was not a single point today where I was like, Nervous that I would rank Saquon Barkley too low, like that's what he is right now. Like there was a reason in the pick'em lobby on Underdog promo code the show to match your deposit up to a hundred dollars free from my pocket. He had a uh, less uh, rushing yard projection than Miles Gaskin in the head-to-head line, and um, yeah, that's where we're at with, with Saquon right now.
0: All of there is still left here. Really appreciate it. We're almost done. Before you leave, like and subscribe to the channel. Again, our best shows are on Tuesdays. We like our show on Thursday. Sunday show, including this one, and the 11 o'clock. We get you ready for the Sunday action. And in order to not miss those, all free content, because we love you, just subscribe below to the channel. All right, we've gone through up until 20. The Tennessee Titans are on a bye. Hey, I don't think the bye week is going to fix all of their mistakes right now because they can run block. They can't pass protect. They have no wide receivers that can catch the ball. But I think Julio Jones is eligible to return coming back, but that hasn't been a boost to them at all.
1: Their story depends on the masseuse just getting into those hamstring injuries of those wide receivers. If they can get that out of there, they have a chance. Until then,
0: I'm going to rank them low. Cleveland Browns, their quarterback is injured and just not good. I think it's that simple. I rank the Browns higher than you because I think the Browns on their day, I have them at 21. You have them at 24. On their day, they're like a bad version of Indianapolis Colts where offensive line, Running game swarms you. Defensive pieces that can pass rush you. So, again, the Browns are almost certainly out of the playoff hunt here. But at least they have areas where they win and where they have good, talented pieces. And that's, you know, easier to say about them versus a lot of the other teams that we have ranked after them.
1: Yeah, there's like a cutoff point where like, yeah, Cleveland Browns, they're not in like the low 20s teams. They're better than that, but they are not uh, a contending team losing Jack Conklin torn Patella is kind of worrisome because Baker under pressure is not great. And this identity is like through the offensive line. If they're all playing through injuries, I don't really love that. And they don't have any good wide receivers, man. Jarvis Landers on to one. The other guys aren't number twos. Like it's just like they're stepping stones.
0: We close out with the Panthers who we have at 26. We talked about the rankings for every other team. They're on a bye. They just fired their offensive coordinator and how wild. Okay. Should we theorize before we get out of here? of what happened because Break this it wasn't at, this wasn't at the front of the bye week It was in the middle of the bye week right? It's also during college coaching carousel. I do wonder if Joe Brady, who's only been on the job for a year and a half, Hayden was maybe tossing his name out there, you know, testing the waters just a little bit during all this turmoil that's going on with the Panthers where, I mean, to his credit last season with Teddy Bridgewater and, Without Christian McCaffrey, four 1,000-yard scrimmage players. I thought, and i talked about this a lot this summer, I thought that was the floor that we were getting from the production from this offense. And then immediately, I can't tell you the little things that changed, but Robbie Anderson's production has completely tanked. They have no number three wide receiver. And then even Christian McCaffrey or whoever else they put in the backfield, that production's a lot worse. I think a lot of it is you know, the Sam Darnold experience. A lot of it is the offensive line is worse this year than it was last year, which is crazy to think. And it's just all not working. And so for a organization right now in the Panthers that have made some drastic decisions of bringing back Cam Newton, who had basically been discarded by this owner as well. And this head coach as well. I'm not saying it's full-blown panic mode, but this is a, to me, a signal from Matt rule who now has promoted one of his best friends from a very young age to an offensive coordinator play caller spot after hiring Joe Brady away from LSU after they just won the national championship. If this doesn't turn around, and I don't know if it's, you know, these next five games or if it's next season that he gets to, but if it keeps going down, 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 big changes are ahead for even more of the structure from this coaching staff perspective.
1: It seems like Joe Brady was told by Matt Rule, we are going to run the ball. And I think Joe Brady, a younger dude that just won the national championship, throwing the ball over the field was like, no, we're going to pass the ball. And he kind of just lost that battle. But yeah, the timing of it is super weird. In the middle of the bye week that's a good point. Also, if they wanted to throw him a bone and they knew they were going to fire him, like they could have done that like early in the week where he would have had a chance to maybe not get come over to USC, but maybe go take that LSU job or some one of those jobs. That was pretty interesting. The timing of it. I was super surprised um i hope that joe brady bounces back and finds another spot i think there's still a lot of appeal obviously this this season was completely broken but this season was completely broken because that offensive line and quarterback and i don't care how good you are at calling plays if you have a backup at most of the offensive line spots and your quarterback is playing through injuries it's
0: it's good night time 32 years old joe brady is And again, I don't think you can put out the offense that he put out there last year and like be a bad play caller because that was with average pieces in a lot of spots and they had a ton of success. Um, I think at the top of the totem pole, it's David Tepper and like at some point, a lot of people who follow this league will recognize that he just puts his hand in everything and doesn't have patience at all, but he just doesn't have patience.
1: I get that. I think that's like kind of a good thing uh, to some point I'm worried about. It's Matt rule who seems like he just wants to run the ball and play defense. And like, we know like if you are building from scratch and they were building from scratch and he's not a play caller and he's this just like vision head and his identity is just, we're going to try to uh, run the ball and play good defense. Like good luck. Like, I don't know how it's going to work. Like, unless your name is literally bill Belichick, but he's at least calling plays on defense and stuff. So, I don't know. This this is this is smelling very bad from that rule in particular.
0: So you're saying now his best friend from his college days is probably going to do a little bit more of what he wanted to do.
1: Yeah, it yeah. sounds it sounds not great to me. All this stuff, I don't know how like this was the move to uh, like make yourself more attractive for Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson and all that stuff. I, I can actually see I can see Russell Wilson and this being the defense run first we have the weapons and Russell wasn't like oh I'm kind of used to that and then it just doesn't doesn't work out I don't know yeah, it's, they're, they're it's, on my radar big time
0: yeah it's a, it's another interesting offseason for them because it's so clear they want to throw the football downfield more like that's how they started this whole conversation with Sam Darnold because they were sick of Teddy not throwing it down the field and Cam couldn't throw it down the field when they you know cut him and then Sam could do it a little bit at the start, and then it just all disintegrated. And so now you're back to square one while also paying Sam Darnold a boatload of money in in 2022. So they just screwed up the quarterback spot when they also could have had Mac Jones and Justin Fields. But they were never interested, really. They really weren't nearly as interested in those two names as other people thought they were. What the hell? All right. We'll get out of here on that note. Sorry to take five more minutes of your time. Appreciate everyone for being here. Thank you for liking and subscribing. And we'll see you for Tuesdays. Usage show for Hayden. I'm Josh. Thank you to Slim, One Rock, J. Phil, Shafinski, and Tian, and so many more of you in the chat. Up the villa, three out of four. Talk to y'all soon. See ya.